Welcome to the Live Your Dance podcast. My name is Molly King, and I'm a former corporate working girl turned author, dancer, and coach. Each week, we come together to celebrate someone who has found their metaphorical dance and listen to their insights in order to inspire you to find and live your dance. Thanks again for tuning in and joining me today. Now, let's dance. What's up? I've got an awesome episode today with Lindsay Gerritsen. I've actually known Lindsay since we were babies, and it's been so fun watching her from when we were three years old in preschool, or maybe even two and a, uh, yeah, it was probably three, and uh, and then watching her over the last few decades just blossom into an incredible musician. She travels around the world now, performing and competing. And it's been so fun to reconnect with her and dive into basically what life is like really for her and how does she handle upsets, how does she handle competition all the time, how does she handle, you know, always striving to be better and what's that life like and then how does she balance it with just being a normal woman and what that is, what that entails as well. So I'm really excited to give you kind of the backstage pass to Lindsay Gerritsen's life and get a peek into what that experience really is. And I'm so grateful for Lindsay that she was able to be on the show and she was so candid and gracious to share her story with us. So let's go ahead and dive in, but I'm really excited to share this with you. So let's get to it. so much for joining me for the Live Your Dance podcast. Today I have an old friend, Lindsay Gerritsen, who we've gone, actually, we've gone all the way back to preschool together, and I've got to watch her blossom into an incredible musician, and I'm so excited to have you on the show, Lindsay, so we can hear about your story and what you're up to and, and dive into some, some music today. Yeah, I'm so honored that you asked me to do this. I'm really excited about it. So awesome. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Sure thing. I was just remembering, I don't know, I'm sure this barely made a dent, but I remember when we were in preschool, you're a year behind me, but um, there was a Christmas program that we were in called Sugar Plum. And I think you were three or four, must have been. And you were already playing the violin for that, um, that program. And I remember I was sitting on the carpet and I had bells on my earrings and I was playing that. <laughs> and I was oh, like, wow. Yeah, remember that too? I think there's actually a picture from it that you might be in. Oh, that's that I, too funny. Yeah, I think my mom has somewhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, times. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, you were clearly already well on your way to music stardom and I was not. But that's great. Oh. Um, and so... Actually, for people who haven't been following you, um, I know that you are a very, very accomplished pianist and violinist, and I think you sing as well. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not as much as piano, which I mainly do, but okay. um, yeah, I've gotten into singing, and I sing at church and that kind of thing, so something I love as well. Oh, nice. Okay, so give me kind of the the background rundown on Lindsay Gerritsen, where you've come from in terms of your music and your career path and and kind of just get us up to speed yeah okay 
I come from a large family. Um, I mean, I'm the youngest of four kids. And uh, growing up, I was surrounded by music because everyone played an instrument, including my parents, who are both professional musicians. Uh, so my earliest memories are of just really being uh, <laughs> surrounded by music in the house. Um, and I remember that I really wanted to um, start playing violin because um, uh, both my sisters brother played violin uh, growing up so that's what I started on first actually and I believe I was about three years old when I started violin and uh, my mom is a professional pianist so she um, she started me off on piano when I was about five wow. and uh, both my sisters also played piano so um, those were two big instruments in my house growing up and basically the way things um, evolved uh, was that I started doing competitions I think when I was about seven and um just kind of the way things evolved I started focusing on piano um and just started to have more professional opportunities growing up with that uh, meanwhile I, I kept playing the violin and I still play violin a lot mm-hmm. um I played in or- uh, various orchestras growing up and up until I was in college I was doing uh, quite a lot of things with violin uh, wow. But I guess professionally, what I focused on uh, is really piano, okay. and that's what I that's what I primarily do with concerts, performing, tra- traveling. Um, so that's I don't know, kind of a nutshell of what I do. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more, um, yeah. but that's yeah, I've definitely definitely noticed that piano has become your forte. Uh-huh. Um, but it's been, would you say you do more classical or what's kind of your genre that you specialize in? Yeah, definitely classical. Um, you know, I, I love all different genres of music, really, um, especially jazz. I love listening to jazz. But uh, what I've been trained in and what I do professionally is just classical. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Well, what would you say, because I know as um, as far as traveling musicians go, um, that's not necessarily the easiest lifestyle. Do you find that you're, you know, that that is part of your life that you love or do you like to be more grounded in one place and getting to do your work there? Or what's the scope on your, your current situation there? Yeah. So, um, I, uh, travel quite a lot for what I, you know, for my work, obviously, um, and I have to say, um, they're, they're good and bad things about it, um, but it's definitely worth it for me because uh, one of the greatest things about it is that, you know, all the great people that you meet, yeah. um, so interesting, and especially the places I've been, I, you know, I, I'm so grateful for, for those opportunities, um, you know, going to Asia, Europe, quite a lot, uh, South mm. America, Central America, um, so that's, you know, definitely an amazing part of what I do, just seeing all these places and the people. Yeah. Um, but you know, on the other hand, there's a lot of waiting in airports, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very tiring in that regard. Um, and not so glamorous, uh, for sure. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the pros outweigh the cons in that regard. It's just, it's just part of the lifestyle that you have to. Right. It comes with the territory. Are you able to maintain a social life? Do you feel like you're able to have balance there or do you feel kind of like it's you and the road and your music? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a combination of things. I mean, I've definitely built a lot of amazing friendships, um, you know, from places I've been and people I've gone to school with. Um, 
you know, you know, Principia College, I made some wonderful uh, friends there. Um, those weren't necessarily musicians. I went to grad school. I've maintained a lot of wonderful friendships with uh, professional musicians who combination of just staying in touch with people. And, you know, the music world is extremely small and especially the older you get. So I found that, you know, I've really run into a lot of people um, in places I wouldn't expect. Um, so you really do see the same people a lot of the time. And it's, it's fun in that regard um, mm. because it is such a small, a small world. So um, I would have to say that I, I really have made um, some wonderful friendships and um, you know, it is hard when you, when you're traveling, but uh, I've been able to maintain those and yeah. I'm very lucky. That's good. Yeah. I definitely, I know the feeling as a traveling dancer to see people at the same events and then be able to cultivate those friendships throughout time. So I can, I can yeah. definitely relate there. So what would you say, have you always, I mean, music has just been around you, but you know, have there ever been times when you felt like maybe this isn't your thing or when do you feel like you really made it your own? Was it early on or was it later, later for you? Well, uh, let's see. One specific, uh, memory I have growing up was that I attended a uh, I guess you could call it a, a music festival with just pianists mm. uh, when I was 11 years old, the summer I turned 11. And I remember, um, you know, up until that point, obviously, you know, I was surrounded by family members who, who loved music. Um, but for some reason, when I attended this particular festival, um, and there were a lot of people that were my age and a little bit older, uh, but everybody was, you know, really good. Um, and I just... I remember something clicked that summer, um, and I, you know, going back, I remember thinking, wow, this is something I really want to do, uh, I want to go for it, and, you know, like I said, 11 years old, and from that point, I really started, um, you know, to approach it from the standpoint of trying to make it a profession, so ever since then, I remember it's, it's been, it's been a drive for me. Oh, wow, that's really yeah. neat. What would you say is it about the music that like hooked you in or got you in it? Well, you know, music is, is so unique in, in the aspect that, you know, there, there aren't words a lot of the time. Um, and so it's, it's an experience um, that I think combines, you know, human emotions, uh, spirituality, um, kind of... <laughs> Everything, you know, all the emotions that I experience, I feel like they can be um, felt mm. in different pieces of music. And um, for some reason, you know, that's that's always really drawn me. And the older I've gotten, the more I, 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 I feel more passionate about music, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just it's something that feels so innate to me, uh, just my love of music that um, it only has felt natural to to want to share that with other people and that's why I perform. Ooh, I love that. That's really neat. Do you feel like this is something that I've experienced but you know to some extent from the outside looking in I would see you get to a certain point musically where where you know you're pretty proficient you can go out there and perform you know basically flawlessly if not flawlessly where do you find the challenge now or how do you, how do you find depth to keep it interesting? Oh yeah. Well, um, I mean, I 
to tell if you don't if you're not actually a professional musician um, to tell you know the little intricacies of how things can be you know even better. But um, trust me, there are always <laughs> so so many ways that that you can you can get better. Um, if not, you know, at this point, I've you know I feel fairly confident in you know being able to play any piece of music technically. But it's really about you know, going back to the details of the music, you know, whether it's what the composer, you know, the indications he wrote in the score, mm-hmm. uh, the piece of music, um, there are always more details you can find. And I mean, more, more importantly, I would say, um, is really just finding more depth in whatever piece of music you're playing, whether that means finding more emotional depth that you want to bring to the music, mm-hmm. just like an overall message you want to portray to the audience. Um, there are just so many different ways you can, you can make a performance better um, that don't necessarily have to be, um, you know, of a technical nature. So that's, yeah. Yeah. That's what I try to do. I can, yeah, I can definitely see that. That's, that's a great point too. Cause there's always the added layer of not just playing it technically correct, but bringing, you know, the Lindsay Gerritsen into it or whatever it is that you want to create with that piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have any interest in, in or do you write your own music at all? You know, that's, that's another thing that I haven't actually gotten into. I mean, I do have a lot of friends who have done that. Um, it really depends on the person. Um, but I just, you know, it's, it's just something I haven't gotten into. I mean, I think being a pianist especially, um, for some reason, uh, I think there's more music written for piano than any other instrument. Mm. So it's just, it's really boundless. Um, nobody in their lifetime can play everything that's been written for the p- piano. So I think at this point, I've just been trying to learn as many pieces as possible. It's definitely something I'd love to do at some point. What would you say at this point in your career is is kind of the biggest challenge that you're facing? Well, there are a lot of challenges. You know, they're kind of general things that apply to any profession, I think. Um, but for me, really sticking to it and not being discouraged by, you know, things that happened or just with, uh, you know, whether it's a competition, whether you didn't win or, um, you know, a performance that you wanted um, to, to happen, you wanted to be invited for, or, I mean, there, there are just so many things that um, mm. come up in this profession where, you know, you can be dis- disappointed and it's, it's so easy because there, there are so many um, wonderful, wonderful pianists um, my age and older and just, you know, so many talented people out there. It's, it's so easy to, to think, oh, well, what, you know, what do I have to offer that <laughs> the person doesn't, um, or that this other person does. So it's, um, it's really just believing in, in what you have to offer and believing that you have something unique and um, something special to offer. So um, I would say, you know, no matter what the external factors are in my everyday uh, experience with this profession, just really believing in myself. I think that's, mm. that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, you're right in that. I think that's across all industries for sure. Well, how would you, you know, if, if you were talking with someone who does have competition or you know has upsets how would you say what's been your best way of working through some of those I think you know for instance I I think things go in cycles like for instance this year 
um, there were some competitions I applied to um, that I honestly thought I would to based on you know, other people I knew that were doing them, other factors. I was like, okay, I'll, I won't have any problem getting into this competition. Um, and for some reason, like several competitions in a row, they just didn't work out. And I was, you know, I was so baffled. I was like, hmm. you know, the, sure, I'm not getting you know, what's going on? Right. Um, just a lot of disappointments. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, past month or so, I applied to three really big competitions, um, bigger than the ones that I, you know, was rejected from <laughs> this past year. And I got into all three and I was like, wow, this is unexpected. And hmm. it was actually really difficult because I, they all happened at the same time and I had to choose. Mm-hmm. And that was a position I never thought I'd be in. Um, obviously I'm really grateful for it, but my point is, you know, even though there were these other discouragements, um, that really didn't make sense to me, um, I told myself that I would just keep working as hard as I ever did and being consistent about that. And, you know, I knew that other opportunities that were probably better for me would, would work out. And, uh, you know, it's just, I think a lot of it is just letting things happen and, you know, like I said before, not being discouraged by, you know, disappointments that happen and yeah, just, just believing that what you have to offer is unique. It's going to be valued, um, letting it unfold. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. It reminds me actually of one of my soccer coaches used to tell us in high school, you know, we can control the controllables, which it sounds like that's what you do with your work. And then the rest of it, the weather, the the competition, the judges, you know, you can't control that stuff. So you have to, like you said, let it go and, and put those at least to the side and trust that, you know, if you're doing your work, good things can still come about, which is really, I think, a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have the driving force, but what's what's in it like what's your vision for your future self as a professional well my first love is really performing um there are a lot of things you can do for instance as a musician you can teach obviously and a lot of people um a lot of friends that I have you know do a combination of teaching performing um but for me because I I really do love performing so much that's something um I really see myself doing full-time um basically as much as possible, uh, that is, you know, playing, uh, you know, playing with an orchestra, which I was doing last week as a soloist or Mm. playing my recitals as a pianist or playing music that's written for, um, you know, various instruments like, you know, piano, violin, viola, you know, there, there are countless possibilities, but, um, just performing is really what I want to do, um, because, you know, the older I get and the more I do perform, um, the more I value, connection I feel with audiences Mm. Um, there's just something so special about it and so um, spontaneous and immediate that um, you know it's just it's something I feel I have to do (laughs) that's yeah oh I love that and I was going to ask what about the performance gets you going but it sounds like it's that connection yeah and you know there's there's something um, about you know the performing arts where everything's so immediate that you really can't, um, the moment you start doubting yourself is when it, it ceases to be a good performance. You really have to be in the moment in every single moment. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's so exciting to experience, um, for me, 
it's it's you know it's there's nothing like it basically. <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah, that's beautiful. Do you have now I'm curious, do you have a specific ritual that gets you, you know, in the mind the right mindset for a performance or what is what are your steps that you take to get yourself in that non-doubting state of mind? Yeah, well, it it actually is very difficult sometimes to get to the point where I'm not you know, worrying about, you know, various factors in the performance, things that can go wrong. I mean, I think everybody deals with that in some way or another. Um, But for me, there's not, you know, as much of a ritual as really just trying to get in the mindset where I'm I'm as calm and as at peace as possible. Um, And that is, you know, it depends on on the performance or where I'm playing, you know, there are just so many factors that can, can make it more difficult to get to that mindset. But no matter where I am or what piece I'm playing, I really just try to be as, as, um, as a piece as possible. And I think the way, um, I guess the way that I've gotten to that point easiest is really trying to, to take myself out of it and remind myself okay, this is why I'm performing, you know, I I love this piece, I want to share uh, the beauty I find in it with with people. So it's really not about, you know, what could go wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. what technical things could go wrong, or it's really not about me, because, you know, people, I think people come to, to, to really enjoy the music, and to be inspired by it. So it's not about, it's not about me all the time. It's getting myself out of the way. Um, so the the music can really shine through. That's that's so interesting. I think I'm finding that to be a theme of some of the highest performers that I've talked to, um, both in business and like you in music. But that idea of getting getting the ego out of the way and focusing on the serving aspect of how this is giving to people or how this is benefiting others or the product or whatever, that's just a very interesting aspect that I'm finding over and over again that it's great to hear you say without any prompting that that is a big driving force of what keeps you, like you said, most at peace and able to give your best performance. Yeah, and and I do want to add that it, this is something I've, I've really thought about over the years because I think that there are two aspects to, to being successful. Um, it is getting yourself out of the way, but at the same time... Um, it's so important to to really believe in what you're doing and what you what you have to offer because I think sometimes um, you know if you're not believing in yourself, it's easy to to not do as good of a job because mm. you're doubting what you can do. And I think it is you really have to have both aspects um, in order to to really give uh, the best performance. In my case, um, so those those are two things I find really important. Interesting. Yeah. And actually a question about that. Have you ever given a perfect performance? (laughs) Well, it's kind of a catch 22 because, you know, music, um, especially is so subjective anyway. Um, and like I was saying before, you know, there, there are always things you can do better with it, even if technically things are, you know, perfect. Yeah. So called, I mean, for me, I mean, there there have been there have been a handful of performances where I was, you know, I walked off stage and I was like, "Wow, okay, that felt really good, um, really, really solid." Um, but there, I mean, I can't say that I ever walked off stage and told myself, "Okay, that was perfect. Like, I'm done. I can move on." <laughs> you know, yeah. they're just always things that can be better. So it, it, it's hard to say 
something was perfect. Mm. It's it's funny as a as someone who's in the audience, you know, I've I've performed in in different venues, but to me seeing a lot of classical performers it seems so flawless, you know, just sitting there and and unless there's a huge mess up to it's most tough. of us, yeah, it it seems pretty darn perfect, but I'm sure <laughs> once you get high enough, there are so many nuances and so many ways to make it your own still that we're just not privy to it. But that is fascinating to hear. What's your what's a day in the life? Do you actually have time to practice or are you on the go all the time? And how do you balance those out? Yeah, it really depends because um, so far I'm just on the road, you know, constantly. So that's what I do travel quite a lot, but they're usually, um, you know, spaces of maybe a few days or a couple days, um, sometimes longer, uh, where I do have the luxury of just being at home and being able to to practice several hours a day. It's hard to say, you know, what a typical day is because when there is travel involved, it really can depend what, what what happens, you know, whether I'm going to Europe and there's, you know, several hours in the airport. But, you know, when I am just at home, I will practice um, several hours because it just being a pianist requires so much upkeep and yeah. um, it just requires a lot of time. <laughs> and I mean, that's the other thing. It's 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 one of those professions where you can have a career um, really just just playing on your own, you know, some pianists, um, just do a lot of solo concerts. Um, so they, you know, most of their life is just practicing at the piano alone and then performing alone. So it, 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 it's also difficult in that regard. Um, because so much of, of your time does have to be alone. Mm. And, and you said you play with a lot of orchestras. So how does that work? Do you actually get to sit down and practice with them or do you ever have to just wing it? Well, uh, for instance, this past week I was playing with an orchestra. Um, I played three concerts with them. And the way that schedule worked was that um, I rehearsed two different days with them, probably about 45 minutes each rehearsal, and then we had the concerts. So um, that's that's pretty typical if you're, if you're um, traveling to an orchestra and, and going to play some concerts with them, okay. have one or two rehearsals. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Would you say you have much time when you're not playing to actually do other things? And if you do, what do you do? I mean, I don't have a lot of time, but, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I really do love spending time with, with friends when I can and family members, of course, um, especially when I'm traveling. I do try to, to have a little extra time if I can um, to sightsee. Mm. And it just depends um, what my schedule is like. And I love reading. I love, you know, just going to see movies, seeing museums. And that, that's really awesome, especially in Europe, if I'm mm. traveling there to, to see all the culture there. It's, it's really overwhelming. So, yeah. A lot of different things I love doing. Well, what, how would you say, you know, being in work that obviously you really are passionate about and you really love, do you feel like that affects other areas of your life or do you feel like your your music is one side of your life and then you have the other side? How how do you view that? Well, it's it's kind of hard to say, but um let's see. One one aspect of performing, especially that I think 
has been good for me in my, you know, the rest of my life. I would say that I'm a pretty shy person in general, but, you know, obviously when I go on stage, you know, you, you really can't be shy at all <laughs> in any way um, because you have to be, you know, outwardly very emotional to mm-hmm. a certain extent. And you have to, like I said before, you have to believe in yourself and be really confident or else, um, you know, it's just really not going to come across uh, the, you know, the performance, the music. That has helped me, I think, I, I guess maybe be a little bit less shy just in general. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's a lot easier me to just meet cool people when I'm traveling start conversations and that kind of thing so that, that that's one kind of character uh, aspect that's it's been really cool um, in the rest of my life so yeah that is that is interesting actually I've um, I started to read the book quiet um, which is all about the power of introverts and it sounds like you're more of an introvert and yet you're kind of thrust into this world where you have to be so extroverted all the time, I'm sure. You know, is that a thoughtful thing that you have to really try hard to engage with people or how have you dealt with that yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I actually think it's it's really important just in general for anybody to, to be able to connect with other people and, um, you know, because especially traveling, meeting people from different cultures, Um, It can be quite different, you know, being an American, um, you know, maybe some people have prejudices or it's just, it's just very different sometimes, but I think it's, it's a great skill to have to, you know, to really try to connect with people no matter what their backgrounds are. And I think it's just, it also helps just, you know, in accepting other ways of life and it's, it's, it's just been really good to be able to do that, you know, and, and also just, you know, performing a lot, you know, I do have to you know, mingle with people sometimes. And it's, it's not always the most comfortable thing, but I, I, I just think it's, it, it really is important to do. And it's amazing. Um, you know, some of the relationships I've built over the years, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily, they're people that I wouldn't necessarily, um, have thought that I would have known, but they've turned into really cool friendships just because I forced myself to get out of the, you know, I guess you could call it the shell that I, I felt I was in before. And it, it's amazing to see how some friendships blossom in that way if you really get outside of your comfort zone. Hmm. I really, yeah, I love that. And I, I'm actually an introvert, I think, a lot of times myself. But I think a lot of people just assume that anyone who's out in the public eye must be very extroverted. And yet, you know, I think... For those of us who like to fill up with our own quiet time, no one actually sees that happening. And so it's always interesting to figure and find that out. Absolutely. What would, as you know, for there, there's going to be a lot of young business people, young musicians or performers or artists listening. What would you say would be your advice for anyone who's early on a journey going towards maybe the way that you've created your accomplishments? What would you, what advice would you give to them? Well, a couple things, one of which I already touched on a bit, and, and that's um, being as consistent as you can. And for me, that's been, you know, no matter what happens, working working as hard as I can consistently and really, you know, like I said, letting things happen because, you know, thing, there, there will always be ups and downs. Um, professionally, I, I, I can't think of anybody who hasn't 
Um, and it really doesn't matter because, you know, it's just, it's just part of, part of life. But if you stick to what you're doing consistently and working as hard as possible, things will happen. I have no doubt about that. Mm. And, um, the other thing is really never compromising, um, you know, what you believe in and, you know, whether that's morals or ethics or just, you know, your artistic or professional beliefs about what you're doing and how things should be done or how, how you want to be, how you want to be living your life. I don't think you should ever cave into to, to feeling pressured otherwise, because from my experience, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you um, start compromising those things, um, you, you don't feel uh, is at peace. And that's, that's been a big thing for me, just really standing up for, for what I believe in, you know, whether that's being presented with a professional opportunity, but not feeling comfortable about it. I think there's listening, listening to what you feel is right, is always the way to go. That's been really important for me. There, it sounds like there's a story or many behind there. Do you care to share one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is, this is not as much of a personal, you know, personal morals or that kind of thing. But, um, I, I mentioned before that I was accepted into a few, um, really prestigious competitions, um, coming up and I had to choose, um, because they all happened at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of them, let's see, I did decide in the end to, or what I thought was the end for one competition that took place in a particular country. Uh, I won't name it because it'll be obvious then, but, um, uh, I wasn't entirely comfortable with the way this country was um, conducting themselves. They, I, I just didn't feel like things were being done in an honest way. And this particular competition, um, I felt like the artistic directorship of it was not very honest. And it was notoriously um, a bit corrupt in how they picked winners and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but... You know, I I decided that I was going to do this competition because, you know, I thought, well, you know, if I, in the off chance that I do well, you know, this will bring me a lot of, um, you know, prestige and it'll be really glamorous and all this kind of thing. Um, Hmm. But honestly, I I was still feeling like, you know, I just don't feel 100% like this is where I want to be. You know, even if I do well in this competition, I was, I was feeling, you know, is this, do I want to be associated with this? Um, kind of mentality, I guess. Okay. And um, so, in, in the meanwhile, you know, I did decide to do it because I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just do it. It doesn't matter. I'm not completely comfortable with it. It'll be fine. But um, meanwhile, I, I informed the other two competitions that I was um, not going to be attending. And one of the, the the artistic directors of one of the competitions wrote me back immediately, and she said, you know, I've never done this before, but I was. Re- really, really impressed with your audition tape. And I felt like there was something um, very unique about you. And um, we would love to have you. Um, so I would be willing to give you um, a few week extension to think about it more. Ooh. Because, uh, yeah, and, and she said she'd never done that before. And from my personal experience, competitions never do that. Wow. You know, they have a deadline, you have to let them know. So I was like, you know what, this is a really interesting, I've never been in this position. Like, yeah, you know, the fact that that somebody is valuing me as an individual actually means quite a lot. Hmm. And um, and I, the more I I talked with this person and found out more about the competition, it just seemed like they really valued the people that were doing it, and they were honest. And 
it was just a completely different, um, I think, organization. And, you know, the more, the more I thought about it, the more at peace I felt and, um, about doing this other competition. And so in the end, I decided to do that other competition. Um, and it's, it's really, um, made sense in every single way. I, I feel so, so much more at peace with myself about the decision. And, um, that, that's just a small example of not, uh, compromising, you know, how you feel about something if you're not comfortable with it, even if it seems like, oh, maybe professionally, this is not as, this is not going to be as good for me. It's actually, it's, it's working out to be a lot better for me in many, many ways. So that's, you know, that's just one example of, of a decision I made that I was more at peace about. Yeah. It's no small deal to realize that, you know, all those decisions build up and create who you are as an artist and to have your integrity and your reputation and and what events you do choose, because that's kind of like casting your vote for for the artistic directors and for the event itself. I mean, it all kind of builds up. So even though it seems like a small situation, I'm sure, like you said, it has ripple effects far larger than you may even know at this point. So Absolutely, absolutely. Really important to, to make those decisions in that way. It's been yeah. important for me as an artist. Yeah. Where would you say your values were shaped? Well, hmm, a lot of different ways. Um, <laughs> for one, um, I guess the, the family that I grew up in, I've, you know, it, it really shaped who I was. I, I'm, I feel so lucky to have the siblings that I do, the parents that I do, and that, that was a huge part of, of, you know, shaping who I am, obviously. Um, but also, you know, the school that I went to, which you also went to, Principia, Mm-hmm. I think that played a huge part in, you know, the way that I, the way I approach certain things in life, um, the way I act. Um, it's, you know, I, I feel so, um, uh, I, I'm just so grateful to have been in an atmosphere where um, everybody was so um, appreciated. And I always felt just an overwhelming uh, support from everybody in my life. I think that's, that's so important um, yeah. to have growing up. And so I'm, I, I feel really lucky in that way. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I hear you there. Do you feel like because you've had such a musical family too, how has that impacted you? Have you been able to watch your siblings and your parents' careers and learn from that? Is that an open discussion all the time of, of how to navigate these waters? Or to what extent did your family affect your career path? Well, it's, it's, um, let's see, it's hard to say, uh, only because, um, for what I do specifically, um, which is, you know, I do a lot of international competitions. I perform a lot. Um, nobody in my family, um, has done exactly, you know, specifically what I've done uh, professionally, even though they are professional musicians and wonderful musicians. Um, uh, but it's hard to say that, you know, oh, I saw my sister's doing the exact same thing that I'm doing now because everybody in my family has done kind of a unique, uh, unique thing in their own right. Mm. Um, but I, but I will say that just in terms of like the decisions that I've made, you know, I, I always have such a strong, uh, backbone from my siblings and my parents in terms of getting advice. Um, and like I said, just, you can never underestimate, um, the power of, of just emotional support, um, you know, for anything that you do, obviously, but, um, that's, that's really been, um, 
the biggest thing for me, just having that support and, and getting advice and, you know, just unconditional love basically yeah. for yeah. any, for any situation. Um, I think that's the most important thing uh, for me so, so far. Wow. Yeah. I can only, I can imagine and I've had a taste of it myself. So I, I know yeah. too. Um, do you have outside of your family, do you have mentors either musically or life mentors? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I've done, you know, in addition to competitions and that kind of thing, I've done a lot of uh, music festivals in the summers, for instance, and um, those are really great for meeting uh, wonderful teachers, even if you don't uh, study with those teachers um, in school, for instance. Um, so I've met a lot of wonderful uh, performers and teachers in that in that context and people that I've, you know, seen uh, time and again in, in different contexts. Yeah, I, I would say I have three or four different mentors, um, maybe across the world of people that I've met and just um, maintained a relationship with uh, people that I, I play for occasionally, people that give me advice professionally. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm really lucky in that way as well um, to have these mentors so wow yeah what's been the role of of that feedback for you um well basically having people that believe in me has been the most important thing um more than more than any specific advice I would say you know professionally um just knowing that that somebody I I really respect and admire believes and what I'm doing and what I and what I can't do, what I'm capable of has been um, really invaluable, you know, especially when there have been disappointments. Um, it, that, that, that's something that I've always really cherished is that knowing that these people do believe in me and that, you know, I'm not I'm not just kind of waiting around in the dark here. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely not. Well, what would you say on a day that you're not super excited to get out of bed and go do what you do. Where do you go for inspiration? Well, you know, I'm, my religion has been a big part of my life, and that's that's really been a source of inspiration and a sense of like, okay, I'm going back to the <laughs> this foundation that I have, hmm. and um, it, it drawing on that has really been really been a huge inspiration for me and what I've done because part of performing for me, as I said, is, is really bringing, um, bringing a message of beauty or inspiration to audience members. And I think a lot of that for me personally has been tied up in my, my, my religious experience in my life. So that's, that's something that I draw a lot on, uh, mm. you know, whether I'm having a good day or not such a good day, that's mm. been kind of a rock for me. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Definitely. Well, I would love to know at this point today, right now, what, what are you most grateful for? Wow. That's, that's a really tough question because (laughs) there's just so many things. I mean, it's hard to know where to start. I mean, like I said, the support I've, I've experienced from my family, for one thing. I mean, that's something that I'll just always, always really, really cherish in my life. So my family, uh, the friends that I have, basically, you know, the opportunity to do something that I love so much and I can't imagine a life without, um, which is music, um, having the opportunity to do this professionally, getting mm. getting paid for what I love to do is something that I think, you know, reminding myself every day 
um, no matter what disappointments I'm, you know, facing that kind of thing. Um, just knowing that I'm doing something that I love is, is really incredible, um, to me and something that I, you know, never cease to be amazed about. Mm. And yeah, just feeling very grateful for. And, and I love to hear that just to know that in any realm, it's absolutely possible and that you're definitely living proof of that, of that principle being manifested. <laughs> so also, I'd love to know, I mean, it sounds like your family is a big, a big one for you, but you know, when times get tough, who do you go to or what's your quote unquote nucleus of support to lean on? Well, um, <laughs> I'd have to say my mom, uh, <laughs> she, she is just such a rock. I mean, really in, in every way I can imagine. I mean, she's, um, she's really somebody that I look up to as, you know, a person um, that I admire and a woman that I admire. Mm. And, um, you know, she's, she's really managed to, to balance a life of, you know, obviously having a big family, but also she was very successful in what she did. And um, I, I would say she's, she's just somebody that I always can go to, to advice for and um, support and uh, yeah I honestly she'd be the first person I'd go to <laughs> that's awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think for anyone who who may or may not have family support but to find someone who can play that role is mm-hmm. so vital to anyone's journey um, mm-hmm. and it's it's great to hear that you have that in your mom which is wonderful so for anyone who wants to follow along with your journey, how can they find you online? Well, I do have a website. Um, it's lindsaygarretson.com. And uh, basically I put up, you know, what I'm doing, concerts that are coming up, um, that kind of thing that you can follow. Uh, I'm right. also on Facebook. I have a page. Um, so those are the two, two main ways you can follow. Awesome. And I'll make sure to link to those in the podcast notes. And just out of curiosity, what are what are some of Lindsay's favorite books, just in general, of anything that you've read? Oh, wow. There are so many. Um, <laughs> well, not to get too dark, but uh, one it. that really stood out to me that was, was so uh, moving, and one that's still moving to me, is um, Night by Ellie Vigo. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. I- I read it so long ago, but that was one that that's always really just uh, just shook me. Wow. Um, yeah. Let's see. Oh God, there are just so many. Um, I mean, I love I love all kinds of biographies. And I'm sure you have a lot of time on planes to get good reading done too. Oh yeah. You know, I'm actually I really like reading about Elizabeth the <laughs> First. <laughs> that's awesome. There, there's one by Allison Weir. She's a wonderful historian. A more fun book that there's a trilogy by Ken Follett. It spans the 20th century. That's a really awesome trilogy, fun to read. Hmm. Um, recently, I read Anna Karenina. That oh. is probably my all-time favorite. Wow. Um, told me a lot in there about character and experiences. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, one that I love is Isabel Allende's The House of the Spirits. read that Ooh. recently. I don't know if you've read that, but... not. I've read was- others from her, but not that one. <laughs> really like really stunning actually <laughs> cool um, so, 
Well, yeah, it's just, uh, I think books tell a lot about a person and it's just fun to see what, what people are into, especially when that's not what we all do yeah, with our absolutely. public lives, but it's always interesting. And for my final question to wrap it up and bring it all together, um, Lindsay, how would you define living your dance? Well, I think really doing what you love and not being worried about about failing because <laughs> I mean like what what does failure even mean I mean it's just such a um I guess such a arbitrary concept that I think you know if you do what you love and you're you, you really put everything you can into it every single day and reminding yourself of that I think you know you are going to have success no matter what and I know that's you know we've talked about that a few times in this podcast but really not really not caring about what may or may not happen um, but just really sticking to to what you love and knowing that you have something to offer that's unique to people that was beautiful and I wholeheartedly agree well Thank you, Lindsay, for taking the time to come on with me today and go through some of the technical things, but it's so interesting to just dive in and see what a little bit behind the scenes and what the day-to-day life is and, and dive in a little deeper too. So thanks for being willing and for sharing your story so openly. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Of course. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Molly. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in and listening today. I really appreciate everyone who comes in and shares this with me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and got some nuggets of wisdom or new insights out of it. I'm also really looking forward to bringing you more episodes and you can help me by liking, sharing, leaving a review, telling your friends about the show, all of the above. And be sure to stay tuned to my posts on social media, or you can also sign up on my website, mollyking.com, for direct updates about my upcoming books. My first book, Don't Settle, is currently available in ebook and Kindle format on Amazon and my website, mollyking.com. But soon, it'll be available in paperback. So stay tuned for that. And my next book, called Live Your Dance, will also be a collection of wisdom and good nuggets from the show, plus some exclusive content. And I'll also be sharing some of my own insights from years of living my own dance. That'll be available later this year in 2016. So there's a lot to look forward to. Thank you again for being here. I'll sign off now, but until next time, be sure to live your dance.